Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Good morning, church. Hope you all are doing fantastic. We are going to have an incredible time here uh, in church, despite uh, the empty seats. I know that all of us are eager and excited back at home to hear God's word this morning, and that is what we're going to do. I just want to go ahead and say uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Thank you for setting a time uh, to come and to receive God's word for your life. So important. So important, not only for... uh, for us as a family but for the parents to lead by example you know and to get together their young ones and to show how we prioritize uh, the Lord and the Lord's day uh, despite whatever the circumstances might be here on the earth with COVID uh, maybe personal circumstances a loss of a loved one uh, a health concern maybe it's a financial crisis whatever it might be showing that what despite what the natural conditions of this world might be there's always one and only one answer to all of these problems and that is Jesus Christ amen so good morning hope you guys are all doing well enjoy your waffles and pancakes uh we're gonna have a good time Uh, I just want to let you know that uh along the lines of what I was saying earlier that uh no matter what is taking place no matter what is taking place elections, COVID, uh, you know, the economy going up and down, whatever it might be, uh, the vision that God has given spring of life has continued to be pursued, right? There, there hasn't been anything that's taken place here on the earth that was sufficient to deviate our attention or focus from completing God's assignment to our life, right? God has given us the vision to change the world, a pretty big a pretty big mission, uh, something that we all collectively need to work towards, right? Changing the world. But what's awesome is that uh, as a church and, and starting from the head, from our senior pastor, my dad, Joaquin Molina, we've been able to continue the course. We've been able to continue pursuing what God has given us as a mission. And despite the church closing down, despite uh, people being quarantined at home, Despite uh, whatever natural concerns and and precautions have caused us to be limited or restricted in our ability to move, God is still moving, right? Uh, Just the other day on my Instagram, I posted a video. Uh, I was leaving my neighborhood, and I saw the Savior Marriage bus passing by, and I was like, that's right. No matter what's taking place, God is still moving. God is still working, and we're super blessed. We're super encouraged to know that he isn't limited to whatever's taking place down here on the earth. Rather, his hands are on the world. He controls what's taking place. And uh, even yesterday, uh, as I was leaving my grandfather, Papi Ting's house, uh, and, and he's doing very well. Thank you guys for keeping him in your prayers. Thank you, Lord, uh, for bringing him back home. But as we were leaving uh, my grandfather's house, uh, there was a man standing in a corner And my dad went over to him and started to witness to him, right? He was just waiting there, and my dad walked over, and it didn't matter about, uh, you know, safe, uh, keeping your safe distance, no mask, mask, uh, you know, being tested, being not tested. Uh, God's assignment over our lives takes priority, no matter what. And uh, recently, even uh, with the... Uh, the documentary that we once that we filmed a couple years back, uh, Expedition Cuba, has been dubbed in Spanish, right? So now, uh, before it was uh, on, only English 
and, and uh, the, the trip and, and the, the messages, the preachings, the teachings that were in that documentary were only in English, but now they've been redubbed and now they've been translated into Spanish. So all of us uh, Spanish speakers get to enjoy it and we can also share it with our friends and our, our social media pages. So uh, just to give a quick highlight, we know it's in Spanish, but we want to show what God's been doing through that. Uh, let's go ahead and let's take a quick uh, look up on the screen and see just a, a, a small cut of what that's looking like now. On the sixth day, God said, let us create man in our image. So the Lord God formed man and breathed life into him. God saw that it is not good for man to be alone and created woman as man's perfect helpmate. God blessed man and gave him dominion over all the earth. God intended that all men would prosper and enjoy great peace. But disconnected from God's word, a rebel would experience a desolate wilderness, a dry, unfruitful, cursed land without water or refreshment. God's thought for man was for him to flourish as a faithful husband and a devoted father to his family. Man was created to be a champion. But since the Tower of Babel, humans have struggled with God's calling to obey. This lack of knowledge compels men to wander without purpose, becoming displaced males who perpetually resist authority and fail to produce a lasting legacy. Males who disconnect from their creator try to find their identity elsewhere and lose their legacy. What is a man? It is the ultimate question, and discovering its answer can change the world. The Bible says that man is the expression of God in his image and his likeness he was created. When man is broken down, marriage is broken down, family is broken down, society in a whole has come under assault and attack when man is cracked and in crisis. A pastor, lawyer, husband and father, Dr. Joaquin G. Molina has dedicated his life to restoring character and godly leadership to the nations of the world. His book, What is a Man?, has been pivotal for thousands in saving marriages, restoring relationships between fathers and their children, and guiding men toward fruitful careers. My passion is you get a 12-year-old to understand that man is a champion. He no longer wants to be like Spider-Man, like Iron Man, like Batman, or like Superman. He wants to be the man God created from the beginning to champion Earth's challenges. There's going to be men upon the Earth that are going to pursue God's vision for mankind at levels that's going to far surpass what Christianity has ever birthed to this point. Pastor Molina has traveled to many nations to inspire men with the biblical principles of manhood. But one land, more than any other, has been on his heart and in his dream. The island of Cuba. 90 miles off the coast of Florida, the men in Cuba are about to experience a world-changing visitation unlike any other during the past 55 years. 
Our mission was to cover the entire island, coast to coast, 15 provinces, over eight hours of travel from one end of the island to the other, and saturate the communities with what is a man so that this would be disseminated by its leaders and there will be a lifeline to the families and to the children across the nation of Cuba. We invite you now to the island of Cuba to join a team of men who inspired a nation and to discover the ancient answers to what is a man. Manhood is a global system essential to all life. But today in our world, the definition of manhood is being chiseled away and the world is in crisis. Follow a team of men who inspired a nation to seek its true identity and discover the treasures of the lost art of manhood. All right. So uh, we know that the, yeah, the documentary came out a couple years ago, but um, unfortunately it hadn't been made available in Spanish yet, but God has been moving and we've been able to to now make it in Spanish. Um, you guys, uh, we have some of the, uh, I believe we have some of the DVDs in our bookstore. Uh, I'm sure we'll make those available as best we can soon, uh, all things pending. Uh, but um, but just, just an encouragement that it might seem like the world is at pause. It might seem like there, that there's a lot more of the underworld moving than, than what God is doing. But nothing can be further from the truth, right? God, God is still on his throne. God still reigns. God is still moving. God is still victorious despite whatever uh, we might see on the news, right? I know that it's a little bit disheartening every time we turn on Fox News or CNN, MSNBC, and we see the fires, we see the riots, we see looting, we see the, the, the arguments and the discussions with the upcoming election, and, and we almost feel like the world is a mess and it's very chaotic. But we also have to remind ourselves, and that's why it's so important to make sure that you're in the word so that God's word speaks louder in your life than whatever it is the world might be telling you to feel. While the world might be screaming chaos, fear, depression, anxiety, God's word says, be still and know that I am God. God's word says, I have overcome the world. God says, don't be anxious about anything, but come to me. Make your petitions known, and a supernatural peace will guard you, will defend you. So uh, just, just wanted to encourage you in that manner. Um, uh, we, we are also conscious of, uh, of Yelena, and, and we're, we're keeping her in mind, our sister Yelena, who's uh, fighting an incredible battle with cancer, uh, and her husband Alejandro. And uh, together we, as a church, are, are coming together under the same mind in agreement, and we're asking the Lord to show himself uh, faithful to be the to do what it is that he says he does, which is to bring healing and to bring a, a, a peace over our lives, knowing that he's in control. And uh, there, where you are at your home, we just want to take a moment to bow our heads and close our eyes and go before the Lord, uh, whether it's virtually, whether it's uh, however it might be through the live stream, that we would go before the throne of God and, and petition and ask. Uh, for, for our sister Yelena's life and for her health and asking that the Lord would rule and, and show himself uh, supreme despite whatever uh, the doctors or the diagnosis might be. Amen? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for Yelena and we thank you for Alejandro, her husband. 
We thank you, Father God, that they both know you and they both uh, have a relationship with you where they're confident and that they might be full of peace knowing that you're their heavenly Father and that you watch over them and that you care for them and that every tear that they've cried, you hold in your hand. We ask God that you would bring a supernatural peace over them. I ask, Father God, that you would bring healing and that the, the voices from the doctors or from uh, the reports and from uh, any medical tests, oh God, wouldn't be the deciding factor between a life full of peace and security and joy in the middle of this incredible storm. We know, Father God, that in the past you've healed many cancers. We know that there's been many people that have been told they only have X amount of time to live, and yet they still live because you are God, and you're the author of life, and you determine when we're born and when we go up to meet you again. We ask, Father God, that uh, during this time that they would not lose heart and that they would be encouraged and be hopeful knowing that you're in control no matter what might happen. In Jesus' name, we pray for all these things. Amen and amen. Uh, today, uh, my father asked me to preach, uh, and, and it's always a great time. It's always a, a, an awesome uh, assignment to, to be given. Uh, some people are given the assignment a little bit later than others. Thank God I was given my assignment uh, with a couple days to prepare. But uh, my dad specifically asked that, that I would go back and I would relook at one of my first preaching ever, and that was The Good Life. Back in 2013, uh, the first preaching I ever gave here at, on a Sunday service at Spring of Life Fellowship was titled The Good Life, The Good Life. And I remember back uh, in those days, right, it was the senior year of my high school. Uh, I believe it was the month of May. My grandma has a picture, if you guys really want to know. Uh, Alice, I'm sure she has a picture somewhere up in her house. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, the, the, the Lord put on my heart this word uh, my, my senior year of high school as I was graduating and going into college about the incredible life, the incredible life that God uh, had provided to me, had shown me. And it was something that was really undeserving. It was something that, that I could never achieve or work towards. It was something that was freely given to me only because I had purposed in my heart to consecrate my life to God. And, and what's the incredible thing is that God showed that to me, not only through what I was experiencing in my personal life with my family, but also in the lives of all the different families that were in the church and, and all the different families that have been serving God for years and years before I was even born. Uh, some of those people are here today, right? We have the Rodriguez family, Javi and Francis, and we have uh, Pastor Kenny and Jenny. We also have Pastor Joey and Zuleika. And as I was sitting back and observing their lives, I was like, man, there's such an incredible peace, there's such an incredible joy in these families, and that's the good life. The good life found in Jesus Christ, a life that can never be provided by anything that the world has to offer. It's a life that only God can give those who decide to surrender their will, their opinions, their preferences, uh, their likes to his, uh, to his plan for their lives. And... Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough, thank God, to go back in, in, my, in my Gmail account and I had somehow saved this preaching in, under one of the labels and I was able to pull it up. And, and I was reading it, uh, I, was, I, was, I was taken back to, to the days where uh, I used to go to the gym every day with Mark 
right, for two to three hours, we used to work out. Uh, after, after college, I would go, after my couple hours of class, I would go to college, uh, and, and I would go to the, the gym, excuse me, and I'd be working out and pumping iron, and today, it no longer happens, right? Well, I might be able to exercise for a couple minutes. Uh, now it's work. Now you have to work for eight to nine hours every single day and start making a living, right? Uh, I remember a time where I was sad and single and it was horrible. But now I'm happy and engaged and I'm looking forward very much to December 5th where I'll be married to my beautiful fiance, Melissa Gill. Uh, and, uh, and we're looking forward to what God has in store for us there. But uh, I also remember uh, Pastor Kenny was our youth pastor for Livingstones. And, and I don't even think it was Livingstones at the time, maybe, if, if anything, it was LYF, right? Uh, but, but Pastor Kenny was our youth pastor, and now I'm the youth pastor. And I'm youth pastoring Kenny's kids. So a lot has happened in these seven years, right? God has really been moving and, and my perspective hasn't necessarily changed from that when I first made, uh, preached this preaching, but it's definitely expanded. And that's kind of what I want to show, uh, uh, testify to today. But if you weren't here back in 2013, uh, maybe you hadn't come to our church just yet. Maybe you, had just, uh, you hadn't come to the Lord just yet. Maybe you took a hiatus, right? But God brought you back to our church. So uh, we, we, we are going to definitely go over some of those points here this morning. But I want to just start off with the premise uh, of John 10.10 10, that tells us that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus, I have come that you may have life and life in abundance, right? That's John 10.10. 10. And a lot of people focus on the on the first part of this verse, and they read, they're like, man, the devil's such a bad man. He wants to kill me. He wants to destroy me. He wants to steal from my family. It's horrible. I can't believe it. Uh, but the, the emphasis that I want to bring on this verse is actually on the second part that says that I have come that they may have life, and they would have it to the full, right? So they would have it in abundance. They would have more than just what is the average life expectance. Rather, it would be something supernatural. It would be something eternal, heavenly. And that's the good life that God promises us. It's a life that, that is incomparable to what the world has to offer. It's a life that only he can bring and give us from his, from his heavens. And uh, to know that, that God has this incredible life in store for you, that God has these blessings that he's just waiting to give you, these gifts that he's just hoping that you would unwrap if you would surrender your life to him, if you decide to make him your Lord and your Savior. So uh, when, when I first told my dad about this preaching back in 2013, uh, I said, listen, dad, I want to preach on the good life. And he says, what is that? Because, uh, you know, I guess in, in, in his time, right, the good life was an expression that was commonly associated with maybe getting high, right, uh, having a lot of women, maybe uh, living the, the high life with, uh, with buildings and cars and whatever you might see in uh, today's latest rap music videos. But I said, no, Dad, the good life is the life that we live. It's a life where mom and dad get together. I remember when looking back at these notes that I preached, my dad has never, not one time, ever failed to come home one night because he was out drinking or because he was out with somebody else or because my mom and dad got in a fight. My dad has always come home. And uh, there's times where we're sitting around the dinner table 
And my dad uh, used to do this a lot when we were younger, and, and I really didn't have a, a good understanding of why exactly he was doing this. But we'd be eating dinner, and uh, we'd be eating dinner as a family, my dad sitting at the head of the table, my mom next to him, and then all the children all around. And he would just stop everybody and stop all the conversation. He'd stop all of us eating, and he'd be like, do you hear that? And we'd just, like, stare into a distance, and we'd be like, no, what happened? Like, is it the dog barking? Is it, you know, is something going on? And we had no idea what he was saying. And then he would say, listen, you feel that? That's peace. And we'd be like, all right. I'm going to go back to my churrasco and white rice that my mom just made me. And, and we'll try to get back to what it is that we're doing. But um, as I get older, uh, I understand what he was saying. And, and, I, and it, it really is a supernatural peace that is, exists in our home because Jesus Christ is king. And because he reigns and he rules in our home, there's a supernatural peace that literally is tangible. It can literally be felt in our home. And, and, and again, that is the good life. And, and, and as I, I, I find myself in different places, whether it's at school, whether it's at my work, whether it's uh, at the mall, wherever it might be, Wow, that is crazy. Sorry, guys, I just saw uh, tonight, uh, this morning's um, slide, and that is the same slide that was preached with uh, 2013. Incredible. Um, but you, you, can, you can definitely go to certain places here on the earth, and you can feel the depression, the sadness, the gloominess of that area. And, and I, you know, it, it might come with spiritual discernment. It might come with a spiritual understanding of how things work with the, the different uh, supernatural movements here on the earth. But there is a supernatural peace that can be experienced in your home when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And that peace is better than anything else that this world has to offer. Uh, the joy that we experience, every one of my siblings, my parents, we all have these smiles on our faces that go from ear to ear, and it's never removed. It's permanent. Some might find it creepy, but we all celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ has put a smile on our faces, and it's a smile that nobody can take away. And, and, and again, this is all something that I've experienced personally in my life, but it is a reality in the lives of the families of people here in Spring of Life Fellowship that I've gone to, uh, I've been at their houses multiple times, and it's the same piece. The same piece, it's almost like that scent. Everybody has a particular scent in their home, right? Some people like the cinnamon. Some people like apple spice. Some people like vanilla, uh, the fruity ones, like those fruity smells. Some people like eucalyptus. They have all these different types of smells to particular homes, right? But for whatever reason, every Christian's home has this supernatural peace where you just feel so relaxed and you feel so comfortable knowing that God reigns, that God's hand of protection is over that home. The smiles on, on all these kids, the little Palmitas, the Lopezes, uh, all these kids that are in our church, it's, it's truly something remarkable, something that's unfathomable from this world's perspective, right? And, and again, it's only because we're living the promises of God over our lives. It's only through Jesus Christ. Now, the, the, the question is, what exactly is that good life? What, what, what is it that you're, you're, you're talking about? What is it that you're promoting here? And this good life is a life that's filled with peace, unchanged by circumstances. It's a joy that has no end, a love without conditions, a hope that shines bright despite the surrounding darkness. 
This good life is a life that's lived within the purpose and presence of Jesus Christ. Matthew 10, 39 tells us, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, then you'll find it. And that's a really tough decision for many people to make. People look at Christianity, they look at church as this restriction on their life that's going to strip away all their smiles, all their parties, all their families, all their good times for a monotone, boring, average life. And that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Because the life that God promises us is one of a continual feast. It's a life that's filled with the, perp- with the joy of God, living in his purpose, confident of his expectation that everything will turn out good for us. So looking back at these notes from 2013, uh, I, I, I had put down this first point that says, the good life is lived by grace. The good life is something that nobody deserves. It's a life that nobody can earn based on their own works. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 tells us that by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. And this is the incredible thing about the good life. Is that as you're living in it, as you're experiencing the goodness of God, your life starts to shine so bright that it calls the attention of all those within your circle of influence. And the reason why God gives us this good life through his grace, through his unmerited favor, is so that when people notice what's going on in our life, there is no exception to why they can't have and live the same life that you're living. It's a gift. It wasn't something that we earned. It wasn't something that we were compensated with. It is something that God freely gave us through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And if all of us would ask him for it, he makes no exception of persons. And he's, he's happy and he's hungry to see anybody that desires to live this life. Anybody that has a, a craving, anybody that has a desire to live these experiences, he's up and willing to give it to them. 1 Corinthians 15, 10 tells us, by the grace of God, this is one of my favorite verses, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. But his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but it was the grace of God that was with me. And, and uh, Josue is here, he's playing the piano, he did an awesome job leading us in worship, he always does. And uh, every once in a while, I'll bump into him here at church in the hallway or maybe at, uh, at different birthdays. And he always tells me, he's like, man, I can't believe that you're here on a Wednesday night in the middle of law school. I really can't believe it. I can't believe you're at home. I can't believe that you don't have to study. I can't believe that you have all these different assignments that preoccupy your time and you're still here at church serving or participating as you can. You know, and in turn, I told so I was like, brother, I can't believe you're here. You have, you have a wife, you have three daughters, you have a job, you have to make, you know, you have to pay bills. And, and really, it's an incredible thing that you even have time to get here from Hollywood, right? From Hollywood to get here at 8 o'clock in the morning to help lead us in practice and worship, that's an incredible thing. But you know what's the remaining factor between Josue and myself and all those people that are here in this church? Is that it's the grace of God that's doing it inside of us. 
is that we've put aside all our ambitions. We put aside everything, all these natural restrictions that, yeah, it's true. In the natural, I shouldn't be here. I should be studying for the bar exam. In the natural, yeah, Josue should be at home resting because he has a huge work week coming up. Yeah, in the natural, we shouldn't be having church. We shouldn't be serving God. We shouldn't be doing a lot of things. But guess what? The grace of God inside of us keeps us alive and keeps us moving. It's the grace of God that's the gasoline that keeps this motive to push us to continue on fulfilling what is the vision of changing the world. And to God be all the glory because it's a gift. It's not something that we could have worked for. It's not something that, that, that we could have uh, stri- uh, 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 practiced uh, for. Now, I, I, the, the Bible tells us in James 1.17, again, these are my 2013 notes. Uh, it says, God is the giver of all good gifts. Every incredible blessing that we experience here on the earth is because God gave it to you. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Whenever we experience a blessing from God, whenever we experience a good experience here on this earth, it's a a demand that we turn our eyes back up to heaven and that react by having a grateful heart, appreciative of what God is doing in this good life. The Bible tells us in Matthew 7, verse 11, if you... Natural parents, biological parents, earthly parents who have a sinful nature, even though you you have an evil nature, you still have the capacity of giving good gifts to your children. How much more your father who's in heaven who gives good gifts to those who ask him? To all those people say, Lord, I don't want to live the life that I I desire anymore. I want to surrender my life to your will. And God is faithful to give you the desires of your heart. God is faithful to give you that good life that everybody is fighting for, that all the stockbrokers and Wall Street are all petitioning for, the one that every CEO or business person is staying up late fighting for, the one that every parent wants for their children. God already has it in the palm of his hands. If only we would surrender and ask for it. If only we would surrender our lives, reach out to him and beg him for it. He's faithful enough to give it to us. And then lastly, this one verse, 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love because he first loved us. The good life that I'm experiencing, the good life that Gerardo's experiencing, the good life that Mel's experiencing, all of us, we're only experiencing it because God so desired to love us. I've never... I I could never give enough money to the poor. I could never serve enough food to the homeless. I could never uh, save enough kids from an orphanage to ever deserve the love that has been given to us. And you know what's so awesome about God? Is that he showed it to us by giving us his love first before we even asked for it. Is he showed us, hey, listen, this wasn't something that you can buy. This wasn't something that you deserve. But I love you so much that I still want to give it to you and offer it up to you so that you would have an opportunity to experience the good things I have. I was sharing last night with the youth group on Zoom that if you're born into a certain family, when that family goes on vacation, where your parents vacation, guess what? That's where you vacation. Where your parents go out to eat dinner at night, guess what? That's where you get to go out and eat dinner at night. Why? Because as their children, you're part of the family. And wherever it is that your parents are headed to, you get to follow. 
And with God, it's no different. God is a good God. God is a rich God. God is a, 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 a God full of blessings for our lives. And if we uh, accept his welcome, if we accept his invitation to join his family, we get to participate in the same things that God has in store for us as his children. Now, there's a dynamic, right? There's the good life that God has to offer for us, and then there's the good life that the world pretends to be able to give us. And, and that's nothing different than what many of us are used to, right? In this world, in the marketplace, there's the authentic, genuine, good uh, products that, that are worth its value, that hold its own substance. And then there's the market that sells the knockoff brand for those individuals that don't want to pay the same price, right? There, there's Jordans, and then there's fake Jordans, right? There's real Louis Vuitton, there's fake Louis Vuitton. And everybody based off of what they can afford, based off of what their preferences is, whatever they prioritize, they make their purchases. And unfortunately, here in this world, there's nothing different. In Christ, there's the authentic, genuine, good life that God promises us, filled with all the characteristics that, 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 are, uh, that he is made of, his goodness, his faithfulness, he'll provide for us. There's peace, there's confidence, there's hope. And then there's the opposite, what the world has to offer us, which is fake which is a knockoff and which is never capable of fulfilling the desires that we have in our, in, in our hearts. In John 14, 27, the Bible tells us, peace I leave you. My peace I give to you, but it's not like the world's. Isn't that incredible? That the world has the audacity, the devil has in his mind a scheme, a plan to try to deceive us. Like he deceived Eve into biting into his plan as opposed to going full into the purpose and plan of God. This peace I leave with you, it's not like the world. Many of us know what that's like. The peace that we all experience in God's purpose, in his good life, is a peace that never fades. But the peace that the world has to offer is one that comes with negative consequences, is one that fades. The, I, you know, there are so many people that are taking prescription drugs to go to sleep, that have to smoke marijuana to feel high, that have to do all these, that have to drink, that have to do so many different things to try and find that same, uh, just a glimpse of the same peace that many of us Christians experience on an everyday life. There are many people that if it wasn't for the thousands of dollars that are in their bank account, they would be a wreck. They'd be a ner they would have a nervous breakdown every five seconds. And yet when the, the economy, uh, when, the, when there is a crisis in the economy, when there is a situation at work, their peace flees as quick as possible because it's not something that's supernatural. The qualities that God gives us of goodness, of peace, of joy, of love, these are supernatural qualities that only he can provide. But what the world can only provide are natural remedies to our eternal necessities, to our supernatural necessities, excuse me. So the, the, while, while the world strives to fill their hunger, to, to fill their appetite with whatever it is, the, the knockoff brands that the, world has to, that the world has to offer, Jesus Christ has the answer for something that leaves us without ever having to be thirsty ever again. Possessions may look gratifying. Uh, back back uh, in 2013, I gave the example of, of, of how businesses perhaps might, might give happiness for a season, right? 
And, and driving around Miami, you might know a little bit about this. You drive around and you see different businesses. It's like, you know, Palacio Little Sugos 1. And then you'll drive a little bit farther down Coralway. You'll see Palacio Little Sugos 7. And you'll see Palacio Little Sugos 20, 25, 30, 35, right? And they have these numbers uh, next to their, 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 their signage. And you're like, man, like, you know. How many Palacio Little Hugos can there be, right? I mean, how many does this guy need to, to feel, I don't know, accomplished or satisfied or, or, or grateful for whatever's taking place in his life, right? There, there's people that, that look for contentment. They look for peace or happiness in relationships, right? And, and I give the example back then of Adele and Taylor Swift and many prominent uh, celebrities and stars that make a living based off of horrible boyfriend girlfriend relationships and the songs that they write and the heartbreak that they experience uh is their ticket for admission to the top of the billboard charts uh but none of those relationships that 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 they experience could ever compare to the relationships of those people here in our church right those young couples now that are starting to have babies that are 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 fresh off uh, their wedding ceremony they're experiencing an incredible life right now only because they sacrificed their lives for the purpose of what God had for them. They decided to put away all their ambition and say, hey, listen, God, whatever you have for me, I'm in. Uh, I gave uh, the example of uh, in Genesis chapter 13, verse 8 through 18. You can read it on your own time. We're a little bit pressed for time for today. But we see that Abraham and Lot are standing on a high place, and they're looking over uh, two different properties. And on the left, there was this one property that needed some work that wasn't as fruitful necessarily as the other. And yet Lot looked over and he saw that there was these two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot decided in his heart that he would rather pitch his tent with Sodom and Gomorrah than he would going into that land. And incredibly enough, many of us find ourselves in that same position as Abraham and Lot with our family members, with our co-workers, with friends, where each of us are presented with an opportunity to make the decision to give our lives to Jesus Christ and experience this good life. And yet, more often than not, more people decide to pitch their tent by Sodom and Gomorrah, a place that rejects God, a place that does not acknowledge God, a place that does not live by God's principles and by his laws, people that are outside of his kingdom and his reign, and they would prefer that over living the life that God gave them. And yet, ultimately, we see that Abraham, despite what the circumstances might have been in that, in that property, it was fruitful. He was able to maintain it. He was able to grow crops. He was able to establish his family there. Why? Because God was in the middle of it. Because the grace of God led him to that place. Because God was with him no matter what it looked like or appeared here in that field. Eventually, we read in Genesis 19, uh, again, uh, to read on as, as homework on our own time, Genesis 19, verses 1 through 29, that Abraham had to go and rescue Lot from where he was, and he was capable of doing so because he was living that good life that God had presented to him. The bottom line is this. The good life without God is never found. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 14 says, I have seen all things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. 
It's the proverbial carrot that's in front of the donkey's nose that everybody is reaching for, everyone's sweating for, everyone is exercising towards, but they will never reach because it's outside of the will of God, because it's outside of God's principles. There's people that spend a lifetime, fortunes, they sacrifice family, they sacrifice work, they sacrifice money, they sacrifice whatever it is necessary to try and, and, and have a glimpse of what is this good life. If only they knew, if only they made that decision to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ, they would experience it in a heartbeat. So that was 2013. And like I said, I was at a crossroads in my time. Uh, I'd grown up in the church. I, I knew what was, what was expected of me or what was asked of me by my parents. But ultimately, it was a decision that I personally had to make, a decision that many people here in the church have to make of deciding, will I strive after God? Will I continue to live a life surrendered to his will? Or will I decide to live a life uh, pleasing and doing whatever I want? And uh, a lot of people, they might think that this is uh, a, a no-brainer. A lot of people might think that this is something that, uh, that came naturally to me. Um, and, and I can't say that I wasn't inclined or that I wasn't brought up in the church to understand that I, there was blessing on one side and cursing, curses on one side. But I can say that ultimately it is a personal decision. And, and, and that personal decision is something that whoever, you know, it doesn't matter if you grew up in the church. It doesn't matter if your dad was a, a third-generation pastor. It doesn't matter if your grandfather brought you to church every Sunday morning. Ultimately, everybody has to give an account for the personal decisions that they make in this life. And, and my senior year, I came to a crossroads where I was getting a new a level of freedom, a new level of independence, right? Uh, on, on the college campus, I had a car. I can go wherever I want. I had a little bit of money to buy the things that I wanted to buy. And I decided, I said, Lord, everything that I've experienced in this life that is good, that is awesome, that is incredible, has all been because of you. The incredible life that I live is something that I've inherited from my parents, and now I get to accept for myself heading into this level of maturity and freedom. So you know what? It's going to cost me at times. It might look like it's not, it's, it, it, that there's better options, but in faith, I'm going to establish my life in you knowing that you have that good life that you've promised me. Knowing that in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says that you have a hopeful, good future for me. Knowing that you say in Matthew 10, 39, that if I were to leave the life that the world has to offer, and if I were to cling myself to you, that I'll find that good life. And so I did. And so now, like I said, my perspective hasn't changed, but rather it's expanded to know what it's like living the good life. Living the promises of God, living and fulfilling everything that he's told me he was going to do from the very beginning. And it's incredible because uh, I, I, I was talking to Mo this morning on the way to church. And last night I was, as I was preparing for this message, um, that there's this scene, right? There's this scene in, in, in the movie Finding Nemo, right? If you haven't seen it, it, it I, by this point it actually is an old movie, right? Crazy enough. Uh, James, my cousin, this was like his favorite movie when he was young, when he was growing up, he would watch it all day. Um, but there's this scene in the movie where Marlin, who's finding Nemo's dad, right? Uh, he's, he's swimming and he's trying to find something called the East Australian Current, right? 
And basically, uh, he's trying to find his son who gets separated from him from a boat. And he's trying to go and rescue him. And, and he's told by some other fish, hey, listen, you need to catch the East Australian current. So it, and it'll take you right to Australia, to Sydney, where your son is. And you'll be able to get there really quickly. And so he's trying to make his way there. And he bumps into some jellyfish. He gets stung. He passes out. But then he wakes up on a turtle shell. And he finds that he's in the East Australian current right and in that current uh, if Alexandra can please put that slide up on the screen we see that there's this vast ocean right there's this all this dark blue all around right but then in the middle of that dark blue there's this nice light sliver a narrow road if you will right that is the current right the East Australian current and so when you get in that current, it'll take you and it'll, it'll, it's leading you towards the destination that you are expecting to find, right? Um, but all around it, it's almost like just a, a, a stillness, a, a bland, average nothingness where people are just passing by, right? And I was telling Mel that I really can't, it, it's very hard for me to put into words the life that I'm experiencing right now. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, Mel and I are, are, are celebrating our engagement and our upcoming wedding, but it, it's been a supernatural feeling that we've been experiencing since uh, the beginning of this year and before. Uh, it feels almost like I've plunged into this current, into this stream, and that the grace of God is just carrying me as I continue to decide to move forward uh, within the boundary of that current. And, and as I look around, the, uh, the, there's this supernatural presence and peace of God that despite whatever the circumstances might be, I know and I'm confident that I'm living the good life, that God is sustaining me. He's carrying me so where it is that he's promised to take me. And, and, and I, I can't tell you that, you know, there's these five easy steps to get there. There's these, uh, there's, I made this decision to take these classes in college and FIU. And then I took income tax and law school. And then I took, you know, property. And, and that's, you know, that's helped me to understand, to put myself in this position. No, it, it really is this, this stream, this current that, that God has invited me to come into. But what's awesome is that as I look into this current, I see all the families of Spring of Life Fellowship. And I see everybody enjoying in the middle of this crisis, in the middle of COVID, everybody being sustained by the grace of God. It's really an unfathomable thing, a remarkable thing to see how people in the middle of crisis continue to stay the course carried by the grace of God. And there's people that have lost jobs. There's people that have had uh, news of a death, of a loss. There's people that are going through a health crisis. There's people that are having a hard time with their kids, putting them back in school. Uh, whatever it might be, but there's still the grace of God sustaining all of us. And that's the good life. It is you're constantly, no matter what is taking place on the outside in the vast blue ocean, because you're in the presence of God, because you're in the current, because you're in the stream, you're, you're at peace. You have a joy. You have a smile that can't be wiped off your face. You, you have a confidence about knowing that God is going to provide for your every need, even though the economy, your job, whatever's taking place is changing and fluctuating and is, you know, pretty chaotic. And, and, and this bubble, right, this bubble called the presence of God, uh, I've just been writing it. 
I, I, I just surrender to it and I say, Lord, take me where it is that you want to take me and, and use me in the manner that you want to use me. And he's driven me to accomplish everything that he's planned and purposed since I was born to accomplish. I didn't know that I was going to go to law school. I, I honest to God, I didn't know if, if he had, uh, if God uh, preferred for me to go to Bible college to, uh, or to seminary to study uh, and get a, a doctor's degree in, in biblical theology or whatnot. I, I didn't know it, uh, who I was going to marry. I had uh, an idea of who I wanted to marry. But I didn't know who I was going to marry. Um, I, I didn't know that I was going to be going to Nova. I didn't know that uh, for law school. I didn't know that I would be working where I'm working now at, at, at CSK, right, at Cole Scott Cassane. There's so many things unraveling before my life, and, and I really feel like it's outside of my control. It, it really feels like, number one, I don't deserve it. But number two, I had no business developing what's taking place. All of it has been the grace of God. All of it has been the goodness of God. All of it has been the good life that he had prepared for me from before I was born. And the awesome thing is that it's an invitation to everybody. Everyone can experience this good life. A life where you feel like God's hand is over you and he's driving you to where you need to be. Uh, recently, um, you know, I've had a lot of things going on, uh, passing through my, through my mind, um, uh, obviously, uh, you know, with a, with the wedding coming up, uh, with my with my bar exam, um, with uh, my work, with what my salary is going to be, with uh, I, I had a, a real estate contract that I was fighting for. Uh, there was there's a lot going through my mind, and you start to have these thoughts, right? You start to wonder, you know, are these things really going to work out? Uh, will 50% of them work out? Will 50% of them not work out? Maybe some things will fall through. Maybe some things won't. Uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll still make an effort to, to be uh, uh, happy and appreciative. And, and I know that God is in control. And the Lord gave me this word, right? I, I learned very early on, thank God, um, that in the middle of, of these situations where you start to feel heavy, how many of us, like, we know what that feels like. We know how to feel heavy. We feel burdened. We feel anxious about a certain decision. We feel tossed. We feel uh, up in arms, not knowing, you know, upset about what's taking place. And, and the, Lord, uh, the Lord spoke to me and he says, listen, all these cares that you have, all these, all these doubts, all these things that bother you, you need to surrender them to me because they're not for you to carry Every time I worry about something, I realize that I'm basing the outcomes or the consequences of the decisions I'm going to make based of what I'm capable of doing. But the good life is a life lived knowing that you're not limited to what man is capable of doing. There are no restrictions to what God can do to a surrendered life. Whatever earthly statistics might be impeding your faith from believing, from choosing to hope on, is a huge lie that was fabricated by the natural works here on the earth. But rather, we serve a supernatural God, a God of the impossible, a God that's able to do far more than any and every single one of us can do combined. So I went before the Lord and I said, Lord, you know, I don't know if I'm going to pass this bar exam. There's too many questions. I'm not even going to do divorce law and I still have to learn this stuff. You know, I don't know how much money I'm going to make. I don't know how much we're going to be able to afford to move into an apartment. I'm getting married in a couple months and yet we're still in quarantine. There are things that are still aren't open. Lord, 
uh, Mel's wedding is going to be an incredible day. And, and, and I know that, but I don't know how we're going to figure that out. And, and it is Mel's wedding. I was invited to come and participate, right? That's what I'm starting to learn little by little. But, uh, but I'm like, Lord, I don't know where we're going to, I don't know, we're going to honeymoon. Uh, you know, we, we were talking recently, we were talking about a certain place that we were thinking about maybe going for our honeymoon. And they just announced that everybody on the, uh, on the, uh, in that city was, uh, was sent home to quarantine. And not only that, but all the people that were coming into that, into that, uh, into the state um, had to quarantine for 14 days. So it would be, a, you know, a, an incredible honeymoon of just going and staying in a hotel room for 14 days and coming back. I mean, you don't get to experience anything. But uh, I, 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 was, I was debating where we were going to live. Um, again, with my, I, had a, I had a contract that I was hoping that uh, this one client I had would, would be able to sign and, and get his home uh, after searching and looking for many months. Um, but I sat back and I said, Lord, you know the thoughts that are racing through my mind. You, you know the burdens I'm carrying. You know the doubts I have. You know, you know the, the, the pressure I'm feeling. And, and Lord, you know, I, I surrender all of that to you. And, and I automatically, I go before the Lord. As soon as I start experiencing these thoughts, these doubts, I can go before God. I can present these petitions to him because I know that he cares. That's the awesome thing about God is that when we feel alone, when we feel out of control, when we feel like we can't make a dent in whatever battle that we're facing, God cares about that. It says in 1 Peter 5, 7, that we can cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. He watches over us. It, it, it bothers him like it bothers us when we're here struggling, trying to figure out how things are going to pan out. And it says, as soon as I do these things, the supernatural peace of God comes in a mighty way and begins to defend against all these attacks that try to take away your peace of mind. That's Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, um, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, please. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, as soon as you have these thoughts, as soon as you have these doubts, as soon as you have these concerns, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present them to the Lord. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard you. I love that because it's not only telling us, don't be anxious, don't worry, don't get frustrated. It's saying, when you surrender it to God, he defends you. And the attack from the enemy no longer can start messing with your mind. You'll be sober-minded. You'll be able to walk in wisdom. You'll be able to think clearly because God is defending you from all those things that are trying to strip your peace. God did not give you a spirit of fear. That's 2 Timothy 1.7. So I know that as soon as I feel heavy and burdened and fearful, I say, this isn't from God. I'm living the good life. I'm riding the stream. I'm in his current. And I give it up to the Lord. I say, Lord, take control of it. And he wipes it all out. Now, here's the interesting part. As I get older, these thoughts are more frequent than before. Now, that doesn't mean that I trust God less now. It just means that I'm more aware of the, of the, the battles, the temptations, the trials, the experiences that one faces in this world. 
Now I know what it's like to have to provide. Now I understand what it's like to have a budget. Now I know what it's like to have to work. I know what it's like to have to find a rent or lease or to purchase a home. And you start to understand, man, there's a lot of little necessities that we need for everyday life. And instead of becoming overwhelmed by these necessities or by these needs, I'm able to anchor myself in Jesus Christ knowing, hey, listen, from the very beginning, he's promised us that he is our shepherd. Psalm 23, verse 1, I won't lack anything. Next verse. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Verse 3. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. So as soon as I surrendered all these concerns about the bar, my wedding, marriage, whatever it might be, the Lord tells me, hey, listen, buddy, all things. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean all things? Yeah, all things work together for good for those who love God. I was like, Lord, all things? He says, yeah, all things. Romans 8, 28. You might think that there's some things that aren't going to work out for your benefit. You might think that there's certain situations in life that aren't going to end well. But the Bible tells us all things work together for good to those who, for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, who are riding that current, who are being sustained by the grace of God, who have surrendered their life to him. All things work out for good. Within a couple of days after receiving that word from the Lord, I get a text from my boss. I was able to close on the, on the contract. I was able to find a venue for our wedding. I was able to find out, you know, I, 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 so many good things started developing. And I was like, man, you know what, God? Uh, I, I, you know, I kind of like this plan. I, I really appreciate what you're doing here. But then I realized that the good life isn't necessarily meaning, isn't, isn't determinative of what the circumstances you're experiencing at that time. You know, uh, recently, Papitin got sick, right? And he had a heart attack and he was in the hospital for some time. Uh, and that was a struggle for our family, right? Um, there's different families in the church, like the Hanals who lost a grandfather. There are people like Yelena who are, are battling for their lives. Uh, there are people that have been out of work. And, and you still wonder and you still sit back and you're like, man, what, you know, what happened to the good life? What happened to, to that high life of, of always experiencing, you know, the best and the greatest blessings from God? And, and as I get older, I start to realize nothing's changed. The peace of God is still ever present like it never before. The, the joy that we experience hasn't shifted or toned down even a little bit. The volume of confidence, of hope that we have has never dwindled. And it's all because we're remaining in that current. We're still in the grace of God. We're still allowing ourselves to be in the hand of Almighty God. Isaiah 26, 3 tells us, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Man, you know, whatever's taking place, as I get older, uh, I'm, I'm just like so comfortable. I'm so confident knowing that God is working all things out for my good. And most recently, uh, I was in bed on a, on a Sunday night a couple weeks ago, right? And it was three days before my bar exam. And I was sitting there 
anxious as ever, uh, asking the Lord to calm my nerves, helping me to study. I was in bed 11 o'clock at night. I was going through flashcards. I had just stopped uh, FaceTiming Mel, and I was trying to get some studying in right before uh, my exam that following uh, that upcoming Wednesday when I get an email from the Florida Board of Bar Examiners. And mind you, this is a test that we've been studying for since early May, right? So we have May, June. Initially, the test was in July, 28th and 29th, but they postponed it because of COVID, and they made it an online test. So they rescheduled it for August, um, August 19th. And we're waiting, and we're hoping, and we have our laptops ready, and then all of a sudden, Sunday night comes, and we get an email. Unfortunately, we've, uh, we've, we've made the decision to postpone the August 19th bar exam because we're, it's technolo uh, technologically unfeasible to administer the exam at this time, and the exam will be postponed in October. Good night. And I'm like, first of all, I threw all the cards off my bed. I was like, all right, I'm done with this. And I was like, man, you know, all the plans I had, right? Well, God, all things work together for good to those who love you, right? Uh, and, and I was like, man, you know, I was, I was supposed to pass the exam by this point so I could start working by this point so that then I, I can have enough money for what's coming up with, my, with, with renting a, 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 an apartment or wherever it is that we're going to live uh, to pay for certain expenses that, are, that, that come up with a wedding and with marriage and whatnot. And I was like, God, you know, it, it's not really going according to what I expected. And the Lord says, all things work together for good. For those who love him. The plan hasn't changed. When God gives you a word, you make sure you anchor into that word. You make sure that you don't let the waves of circumstances knock you off from where God has placed you. If God has given you a promise, you hold tight onto that promise because God does not fail on his promises. God is true. God does not change despite whatever might be going on around us. And I said, Lord, you know what? Everybody and their mom is having a super hard time figuring out what to do now that the bar has been canceled. You know, it's not just that you won't be licensed so that you can't practice law anymore. It's that there's a lot of companies that are waiting for their law school graduates to become licensed to hire them. And without a license, a lot of my friends, a lot of people from my school, and not only my school, but all throughout the state of Florida have lost the uh, job offer because of this postponement. There's been people that have been out of work since May, single moms, dads, people that have been trying their best to study, to pass this exam so that they can afford to pay for whatever, uh, you know, for, for their bills. And yet, here comes another drawback. And I was like, Lord, you know, this is a, a tremendous season that people, a tremendous trial that many people are experiencing. And while I went on social media, uh, on my Instagram and on Facebook, I start to see everybody with, you know, they're justified to, you know, uh, uh, complaints and concerns about all the natural um, issues that they're facing, right? And, and for whatever reason... I didn't, ex I didn't experience any of those issues. You know, I, 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 was, I was cognizant of them. I recognized that they exist, but they, it, it, didn't me it didn't mess with me emotionally, physically, mentally. I, I was still on course. And so I, I, I purposed in myself. I said, you know what? 
I'm holding on to the promise that God gave me. And I went onto my Instagram and I put that the cancellation or the postponement had happened. And then I posted uh, Psalm chapter 31. And I said, Lord, you know my times. You're in control. My trust is in the Lord because his, uh, his hands are over my life. And it's incredible because so many people, Christians and non-Christians, started to message me on these Instagram, on my Instagram page and be like, hey, man, thanks for having the right attitude. Hey, man, thanks for staying positive. Hey, thank you for having the right perspective. And you know what? It's not me. It just so happened that I started to go through this trial while I was in the stream. I was still in God's grace. I was still in his current. My life would remain surrendered to the will of God. So even though the, the earthly circumstances that I was facing are changing, because I was living the good life, I was within the presence of God, God's hand was still over my life, I was remained at perfect peace. And, and, and I know that that's not just something that's unique to me. It's something that God offers and is doing in so many people's lives. Right now, you know, there's cause for concern for everybody to go and, and, and wear a mask 24-7, for people to try and save money, for people to stop giving tithes to the church, for people to stop uh, giving money to their friends and families to help out, right? There, there's, there's a lot of concerns going around in this world, but there's this bubble that we live in called the good life. It's a stream that we've entered into, a family that God has welcomed us in, that we get to sit back and relax knowing that he is Lord over our lives. One of the most incredible things that I, you know, that I'm privileged to have been able to, to hear and to know, and it's been mentioned a couple times here on the pulpit, is that somehow, some way, the church of God, the people of God, have continued to remain faithful in their tithes and offerings. That is unheard of. That is something that is unbelievable. Because while people are losing their jobs, while people are suffering financially, they still are prioritizing God because they know that their confidence isn't in their bank account or in their employment. They know that their provision comes from upstairs. They know that God is faithful and that no matter what the world has to tell them, no matter what Forbes magazine publishes, no matter what announcements are made on the news, God is in control. And what a peace to know that God is still moving in people's lives. So much so that in the middle of these, uh, these time periods where we're out of work, where we can't afford, whatever it might be, people are getting promoted in their jobs. People are giving new job opportunities where they're making more than they were before the pandemic. And you look around, you're like, man, how is this happening? It's the grace of God. I am but I am by the grace of God. It wasn't anything that I did. His grace inside of me, his life, Jesus Christ through me is making all these things possible. Psalms 37 verse 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Man, it feels so good to know that I only have to seek the Lord and everything will work out. That he'll direct my steps. That he'll show me in the way that to go. And he delights in his way. Verse 24, though he falls, he won't be utterly cast down because the Lord upholds him with his hand. And that, I, I, that's literally how I feel. When I was younger, my dad would take us to Disney World. My dad, when we went on mission trips to Mexico, my dad, when we would go uh, walking through the mall, he would hold me by the hand. 
And I was, a, you know, I'm a little kid. I don't know what I'm doing. In the sea of people that are surrounding me, as long as I hold on to my dad's hand, I know he's going to take me wherever I have to go. And, and, and I can't explain it any other way than to say that right now, that is the life that I'm living. And I don't deserve it. And it shouldn't be something that, that and, and I can't sit up here and try and convince or tell people that, you know, if they were to only do what I did and only, you know, take the natural, make the natural decisions that I made, they'll experience the same life. Because the truth is, it turns on your personal relationship with the Lord. Because he has incredible things in store for your life. Things that are unique to you. Things that are special to you. Things that are, that, are, that are tailored, that were specially crafted for your enjoyment. And it doesn't matter if, if you were born in the church uh, 20-something years ago, if you just came last week, if you still haven't made that decision, the good life is open and applicable to all those people who would just uh, accept the invitation. The Bible says uh, in the following verse 25, I've been young, I'm old, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. So no matter what is taking place in the pandemic, maybe it was a hurricane, maybe it's a, a loss, we've never seen the righteous forsaken. God has always been faithful. As long as you're riding that current, you're going in the direction that God is leading you. You're going to be provided for. And I want to wrap this up with this last point. The question then comes, right? How do I get there? I want it. I hear you loud and clear. I, 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 I've heard about this good life enough. You know, I want to taste and see God's goodness. I want to be able to experience what, that, that comfort, that confidence that you have. And not only that you have, but all the other families here in Spring of Life. I, I, I need it. I want it. I've been driving my wife crazy, trying to figure things out on my own strength. I've been driving my family crazy, trying to determine how to make the right decisions here in this point in time. But now I'm ready to give my life to God and experience that good life. I'll tell you this. Surrender your life to the Lord. Oh, come on. We've heard that a million times. We know, yeah. It's like, oh, surrender your life. Of course. Genius. Genius, I tell you. Surrender your life. This is what I mean by that. Growing up, my dad always uh, showed us that there was blessing, there was covering when we walk in obedience, right? And with every step that we take in obedience, it's a step closer to our blessing. And now in this life, I've come to learn, man, there's two different walks. There's the broad way. There's a narrow way. There's the way that leads into the current of God's grace and his goodness in our life. And then there's that current that leads us into the vast nothingness uh, of the ocean like that movie Finding Nemo. And the truth of the matter is that surrendering your life means you grab your opinions. You grab your preferences. You stop making decisions based off of your earthly human knowledge. You toss all that aside and you start dedicating each and every decision you make to God's will. You find out what is it that God's word says concerning this area or this topic of life and you walk in it. The issue that many of us face when we start trying to live this life is that our faith in God is less than the faith we have in earthly knowledge. So while the, while the world and the earth 
and, and, and the news uh, platforms might be giving different pieces of advice, might be giving different opinions that are contrary to the word of God, we are more inclined to listen to those opinions than we are to listen to the word of God. We are less inclined to want to do what the pastor has to say than do what it is that maybe our family friend has to say. And that really is the X factor. That really is the determining point of how we can live the good life and avoid all the hardship that comes with the world and live in the peace of God, in the goodness of God. In fact, 1 Corinthians 2.14 tells us the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And a lot of times things don't make sense to us. They're not rational according to these, this world's principles. But guess what? They're God's principles. And God is the author of life. He's the one that designed your good life. He's the one that has the instructions, the manual to getting that life. Where we, what will you decide? What will, you, what, will make, what will be your decision? Proverbs 14, 12 tells us there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end leads to death. So I'm at the point where I'm like, Lord, in the natural, a lot of people are heading into this direction. You know, is, is this what you'd have me do? Is, is, is what I just read, is, is the articles, the notices, the emails that are re making recommendations, making suggestions, are those the steps that I'm ordered to follow or do you have something different? And even though it's completely contrary to every rational and, and, and sound thing according to the world's standard, I've always decided to make a step in God's direction. There's this book... Um, it's called Just Like Jesus Devotional. It's written by Max Lucado. It's an incredible devotional. If you don't have it, uh, I recommend uh, getting it on Amazon. Uh, it's called Just Like Jesus Devotional, Max Lucado. It's like 30 days, uh, I believe, that you're supposed to, that you're supposed to read. Um, but there's one, there's one story in here that I want to read. It's very quick. Um, but it really spoke to me when, when I was reading this devotional years ago. Uh, on what the current situation here is on the earth with this good life versus the, the life that God has to offer us, right? And it says, I'd like to tell you a story you've heard before, though you've not heard it as I'm gonna tell it, but you have heard it. Sure you have, for you are in it. You are one of the characters it's a story of the dancers who had no music. Can you imagine how hard that would be, dancing with no music? Day after day, they came to the great hall just off the corner of Maine and Broadway. They brought their wives, they brought their husbands, they brought their children and their hopes, and they came to dance. The hall was prepared for a dance. Streamers strung, punch bowls filled, chairs were placed against the walls, people arrived and sat, knowing that they had come to a dance, but not knowing how to dance because there was no music. They had balloons, they had cake, they even had a stage on which the musicians could play, but they had no musicians. One time, a lanky fellow claimed to be a musician. He surely looked the part with his belly-length beard and fancy violin. 
He stood before them and he pulled the violin out of the case and placed it beneath his chin. Now we will dance, they thought, but they were wrong. For though he had a violin, his violin had no strings. The pushing and pulling of his bow sounded like the creaking of an unoiled door. Who can dance to a sound like that? So the dancers took their seats again. Some tried to dance without the music. One wife convinced her husband to give it a try. So out on the dance floor, they stepped, she dancing her way and he dancing his. I just want to take a pause. That's definitely Mel. Mel would try to do this, right? She loves dancing and uh, she would definitely try to get me to dance with her on the floor uh, with no music. Um, But both efforts were commendable, but far from compatible. He danced some form of partnerless tango while she was spinning like a ballerina. A few tried to follow their cue, but since there was no cue, they didn't know how to follow. The result was a dozen or so dancers with no music going this way and that, bumping into each other and causing more than one observer to seek safety behind a chair. Right? What a mess. Over time, however, those dancers grew weary and everyone resumed the task of sitting and staring and wondering if anything was ever going to happen. And then, one day, it did. Not everyone saw him enter, only a few. Nothing about his appearance would compel your attention. His looks were common, but his music was not. He began to sing a song, soft and sweet, kind and compelling. His song took the chill out of the air and brought a summer sunset glow to the heart. As he sang, people stood, a few few at first, then many, and they began to dance. Together, flowing a music they had never heard before, They danced. Some, however, remained seated. What kind of musician is this who never mounts the stage, who brings no band, who has no costume? Why musicians don't just walk in off the street. They have an entourage, a reputation, a persona to project and protect. Why, this fellow scarcely mentioned his name. How can we know what you sing is actually music, they challenged. And his reply was to the point, let the man who has ears to hear use them. But the non-dancers refused to hear, so they refused to dance. Many still refuse. The musician comes and sings, and some dance, but some don't. Some find music for life, others live in silence. To those who miss the music, the musician gives the same appeal. Let the man who has ears to hear use them. In in life, there's many people who have, uh, you know, like this story, have been hearing the music for a long time. There's a lot of people that have been giving, uh, you know, have have been giving uh, an opportunity to come and to dance and to be with the Lord and to enter his presence, enter his grace. There's been a lot of people that have been given the opportunity to get up out of their seat, out of their comfort zone. And despite what, may, what, what, what looks like funny, like foolishness, like something that's not necessarily uh, uh, called for, they've confidently gotten into the, uh, onto the dance floor and they've heard the music of God. They've heard his voice calling out. They've seen the good life and they've experienced it for themselves and they want more. And like I said, the incredible thing is everybody hears the music. Everybody has an opportunity to come before God. Everybody has an opportunity to experience this good life. 
the music isn't just tuned to some people and not to others. The song, the, the lyrics to the songs aren't in just one language so that only one person can understand them. It's a call for everybody to come in. Jesus Christ with open arms welcoming all those who are willing to accept his invitation to come and taste his goodness, to come and see his greatness, to come and experience his incredible vision over their life. Romans 12, 2 says, Don't be conformed to the world. You have to transform by renewing your mind so that you would be able to prove what's good and acceptable, the perfect will of God. There's always going to be a fork in the road. Do I, do I, am I doing what God would have me do? Am I living the principles that he's called us to live by? Or am I picking and choosing to do what I want based off of my personal preferences? Guess what? The good life that I'm living is nothing like what I had envisioned. It's a thousand times better. You might think that by holding on to your little life with your little weekend getaways on a boat or with your little family vacations and picnics or with your little job is the ultimate life, is the best life that you have to live. But nothing compares to the life that God has for us. Nothing, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. It hasn't even entered into your mind through a dream or through a daydream the incredible things that God wants to do for you. The good life is a life that's in the presence of God, sustained by his grace, driven by his doing, fully surrendered. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Stop doing what feels right. Stop doing what you think is right. Surrender what it is that you feel is a better opportunity and seek God above everything else. Everything will be added. You can't cut and paste the portions of God's word that you want to live by and then leave out the others. Acknowledge God in every turning point of your life and you'll start to live the good life that he's promised. You'll start to experience a supernatural peace you've never felt before in your entire life. The joy that was, will, will resemble in your heart, that will, excuse me, that will, that will reside in your heart will be a joy that nothing in this world that could, has ever offered to you. But it takes a surrendered heart. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's ask God for a surrendered heart an attitude of humility, an appreciative heart. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness in our lives. And thank you, God, that you, you have a unique, specially tailored plan, good life for each of us to live. Father God, thank you that in this giant ocean, there's a current called the grace of God that is willing and able to sustain us through all of life's adversities. Thank you, Lord, that we can enter this stream with confidence, knowing that you're in control over everything that takes place. Thank you, Father God, for giving us the opportunity. We've heard the music. We've heard your call. 
We've heard the lyrics to the songs, God, and we want to surrender to your perfect plan. Father God, thank you because your love is individual and personal to each of us. Thank you, Father God, that you're a heavenly father and each of us are your sons and daughters. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry. We, we, can, we can walk in hope knowing that our future is bright because you're in control of it all. Lord, this supernatural peace is foolishness to this world. And I ask God that you wouldn't let doubt, that you wouldn't let reason, human reason, keep us from surrendering to your will. I ask Father God that you would help our eyes stay fixed and gazed on you and not look out to the waves and to the storms of life. Because God, you're our captain and you're in the boat and you'll take us where it is that we need to go no matter what our life may be going through. We love you, God, and we thank you for your sovereignty. We thank you for your power. We thank you for keeping us at bay. In Jesus' name, we pray for all these things. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have an incredible Sunday afternoon with your family. Rest up and enjoy your week coming up for work or wherever it is that God takes you. And I ask that the supernatural peace of God would flood your homes, that you would continue to be sustained by the grace of God, and that you would experience the good life that he has planned from you from the beginning of time. In Jesus' name, God bless you.